For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. July is underway and it's a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. With the NBA Finals ending and Major League Baseball heading into the second half of the season, there's plenty of betting action to get involved in. If you're a football better, there's tons of futures and props you can wager on as well. Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head over to betonline.ag or use the mobile app and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. What up, Music and Potters? Welcome back to the program. There's another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is episode 414 of the TCK Pod. I have two incredible guests with me today. I'm very excited to bring in for the first time Jennifer Akins, a 4 for 4. We'll get into her intro in just a second. And my man, Jacob Charno, who I've been working with for quite a while, but on his side and on his programs, I'm very excited to introduce him to the TCK Potters for the first time. As well, today we are continuing our fantasy team preview series. We're diving into the AFC East and we're getting into the Buffalo Bills and the New York Football Jets. Very excited to get into this. We got a couple other teams as well. Of course, we're going to do the Patriots and the Dolphins as well. Stick around. Bobby LaMarco will have those breakdowns for you. Follow me on Twitter at Sky Guasco. You can follow Bobby as well, Bobby LaMarco. You can find me on Instagram, fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Leave a rate review on the podcast. Shouts out to the Believe Podcast Network. You can make sure to find them anywhere and support their programs as well. Many, many sports programs, and they have one channel for each NFL team. So if you want to get specific, check out the Believe Podcast Network. And also please subscribe, hit the bell, and leave a comment right down here on the YouTube channel and let us know how you feel about the Bills and the Jets. Without any further ado, let's invite our guests in for today. Again, Jacob Charno and Jennifer Aikens, very excited to have you both in here. Thank you for joining. Jennifer, we'll start with you a little bit. Uh, introduce yourself to the TCK Potters and just kind of let us know what you do in the fantasy world. Okay, sure. I'm Jennifer Aikens. Um, I write, I'm a senior writer and editor at 444 Football. Um, it is my full-time job. I have been with 444 for six years, so I do a ton of uh, redraft, best ball content. Um, and um, I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. I love it. And I love your crew over there. I've been following 444 a long time. I've been listening to the podcast for a very long time. And uh, I appreciate what you and, and everybody else do over there on that side. Jacob, man, good to have you on finally, too. You and I have been working together, but uh, on your programs. Um, and it's it's nice to finally have you on this side of the fence, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's finally time. I'm so happy that I'm finally here. Um, I mean, what? I, probably, I told you it would happen eventually. You know, just really it would. I, what has it been? It's probably been a year and a half. That, I mean, yeah. since, since the beginning, I, it's really since I started my show, um, we've been working together. But yeah, um, I'm Jacob Charno. I host the Hard Count Football Podcast and the Hard Count Football Podcast Live, which is Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern um, on my YouTube channel and then over at Bucks Report. Um, so you can take a fo uh, go follow them on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm very excited to be here. Right on, brother. Good to have you back, man. Good to have you in. If you're tuning in live and you're welcome to jump in the comment section and we will get to as many of those live as we can uh, as we have room. We're talking Bills, Jets, fantasy football team previews today. And Jennifer, why don't we kick it off with you and talk some Buffalo Bills fantasy football here. Now, the Bills... Uh, the Bills obviously are, are an ascending team. I, I I would argue that they almost are still not in their prime yet. Uh, the the big year last year, of course, Stephon Diggs comes over, Josh Allen, everything else. Not much of a run game though. Strong defense, 
Got to get by the Chiefs, though, and that's, of course, the crux in the AFC. How are we feeling about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, that you know mess of a run attack, in my opinion? Any other pass catchers we're looking for in Buffalo this year outside of the obvious? Um, okay, you just unloaded a lot. Do you want me to answer your – Just you go, to- do, do your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we'll start, we'll start at the top. We'll start with Allen. I mean – it's so you don't really have to convince anyone, obviously, to draft to draft Josh Allen. Um, he's pricey, though. I mean, he's pricey this year. It's one of those things. Uh, I did a pod actually last week on our pod at four for four on, on TMAP, and we we actually went over the Bills as well. And um, you know, something that kind of came to mind for me is really Josh Allen is one of those players that it depends on your specific league. Like if you're talking redraft, because you know there's certain redraft leagues, right, where there's people that just kind of show up and they don't really they don't know too much or they don't they don't you know, live and breathe fantasy like some of us do. So they'll take him in the first round. They'll take all their quarterback you know, situation in the first round. Obviously, that's not going to happen um, in my world. But if he does fall, you know, to the fourth or fifth round, he is a possibility. Um, you know, Allen's great. He's not He's not getting worse, right? I mean, he's young. So I think if you, if you value quarterbacks and, and you want to have an elite quarterback, you know, go for it with Allen. I don't think he's too pricey. I will say, though, when I was looking up stuff, um, his his rushing yardage has gone down with each year. So um, in 2018, he had 631 yards, and then he only had 510 in 2019, and then he only had 421 last year. So I know some people really go for that, you know, Konami code, rushing, you know, quarterback. So, you know, his his have descended a bit. But, listen, I don't need to talk anyone into Allen. Um, when we get to the running backs, though, I absolutely agree with you, Sky. I, uh, I'm someone that is not going – I'm not taking either Moss or Singletary. I just don't think – and they're both cheap, to be honest, but I don't think either of them are really worth it this season. The Bills don't run the ball, right, except for Allen is their goal line back pretty much. Mm-hmm. They don't run the ball. They don't need to run the ball, so they're not going to all of a sudden run the ball this year either. So – you know, the Bills, I think, were 18th last season in rushing attempts, which, I mean, is actually that number was higher than I thought it would be. But um, I just don't a think – A lot of that's Josh Allen, though. Right, exactly. No, you're yeah. right. And so I just don't think – you know, I think at that at that ADP, like for Moss, you know, give me Gus Edwards or Connor there. I think oh, they're yeah. going to run more. I think they're going to be more involved in that offense. Um, I mean, Singletary is very cheap, you know, and, and he will catch some passes. But um, I think if I had to pick one, I'd go with Singletary just for his cheapness. But – at the end of the day, I, I think let's see. Moss is running back thirty-eight, and Singletary is forty-three right now on underdog. So, I don't know. For me, they're I, I don't know. They're both in a void. I mean, I think last year Moss got a lot of hype, and I think a lot of people got burned on him. So he could be a post, you know, post hype sleeper kind of guy, but I just don't see it. It's been it's been two years in a row for Buffalo, really, because Singletary came out as a rookie with hype as well, right? And and uh, you know Frank Gore was on his way out, things like that. Singletary came in. He also had to hype. And look, both of these, what's frustrating in Buffalo is both of these running backs as players are very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if they had workloads like you want to see in football, if they each got 20-plus touches as an individual, I think they would be fantastic. In this offense with the, the scheme, moving the ball downfield, red zone opportunity, I think they'd be great. But they're not. They're splitting 15, 16 total touches and you just don't know who it's going to be unless they score. Uh, obviously, it's going to hurt them. And, and you mentioned Josh Allen's rushing yardage coming down. His touchdowns have always been, you know, it's like Dak Prescott, not running a lot, but he scores a lot when he's mm-hmm. healthy. Josh Allen's still scoring a lot of touchdowns, which obviously helps in with the quarterback position. And on the other side of that, not as beefy for fantasy football points because they're scored differently, but his passing yardage has skyrocketed, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, since his rookie year when he was quite literally two years ago, he was literally the least accurate passer in the NFL. Everybody was worried about him. They bring in Stephon Diggs, made a couple changes. Another year, Brian Dable, boom, uh, he's in the MVP race. So uh, Josh Allen is, is still my man, but you're right. If, if you're going early QB, I think he's a target, but he's going to cost you you know, probably a second, third round once we get into August in in home leagues. Before we move on to wide receivers and everybody else, uh, Jacob, let's get your quick thoughts on um, Josh Allen and, and that running back core real quick. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, If I so Josh Allen has been someone, I mean, especially as a fan of the AFC East, of a team in the AFC East, I'm watching this team very closely. It's It was weird to me how Josh Allen made such a big jump, and you look at it, and I mean, yeah, they got digs, yeah, another year of Dable, but how many years have we seen, maybe not to the extent that Josh Allen had, but how many years have we seen 
guys have one great season and then kind of start to decline, right? So I, I am slightly worried about Josh Allen in terms of where I would draft him because I feel like there's other guys there that I would just, that I've seen produce more and more. And it, Josh Allen could be the MVP this year. I've said it time and time again. He's either going to have a declining season or he's going to win the MVP this year. I'm I'm confident he has the ability. I like to, it. But, I agree. But it, 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 there, I mean, Mahomes, uh, just around that area. I, I I still do like other quarterbacks ahead of Allen, but I would have no problem. And I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I say on this. I would have no problem taking Josh Allen this year. And then also with this running back tandem, I do still like Zach Moss. And as Jennifer was talking about it, you know, I kind of started to not like Zach Moss as much. <laughs> <laughs> but I love his receiving ability. I hope they line him up at receiver in 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 that the receiver slot at least a little bit this year because he has that receiving ability that Devin Singletary just doesn't really have. Um, similar to what I think Jacksonville is going to be doing with Travis Etienne, but I'm sure. But, but you have a Jacksonville guy to talk about that. Um, but I just, you know, if if they're there and it's late and I need a running back, I'm the way I'm doing it this year is I'm taking running. I'm taking my two running backs in the first and second round. I don't care who else is there. But if if Zach Moss is there and I need him. I'll maybe take a chance on him. I'll stash him and see it and see what the value could be there. But but I completely agree with you, Jennifer, for sure. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree, and I'm I'm fading the Bills. Uh, Diggs and Allen, of course, uh, are the front runners. But um, let's talk about the the receiving core in general. There has been Cole Beasley conversation: Will he play? Will he not play? At differences, obviously, with the league. Stephon Diggs took the league by storm. Everybody's seen the talent for years in Minnesota, but he was in the shadow of Thielen. Goes to Buffalo, the true number one, explodes last year um, and really turns Josh Allen around. And we have some budding stars, younger wide receivers in Buffalo as well. So are there any other pass catchers along with Stefan Diggs, Jennifer, that you're excited about for fantasy in Buffalo? You know, I am, but you mentioned young and that's not where I'm going. Um, I'm all about Manuel Sanders this year. Uh, I think nice. that, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, people are all about, you know, Gabriel Davis and sure. I see the talent, but, there's already been reports that Sanders is going to slide into that John Brown role and not Gabriel Davis. Um, Josh Allen and the GM specifically uh, seek, you know, seeked out to sign Manuel Sanders. And, uh, you know, the report I read, he was heavily pursued by, by you know, and, and Allen made sure in spring camp to kind of start to get chemistry and, and develop a rapport with Emmanuel Sanders. So I like Sanders and Sanders is cheaper. So that's kind of also, you know, where I am. I think Sanders is, I wrote it down and now I don't see it on here. Um, but yeah, oh no, I think, yeah, Sanders, I think is, is wide receiver 65 right now. And Davis is wide receiver 59. So, um, they're, they're being drafted similarly, but I personally prefer Sanders, I think. And listen, at the very least, they're going to rotate opposite digs anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just happen to like Sanders. I know he's older. I know he's coming off the, you know, his Achilles and all that, but, uh, was it Achilles or ACL? Now I'm. Okay. I'll double check it for you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I think that Sanders is, you know, he, he yeah, he was fine last year in New Orleans um, with that injury. And I think, uh, you know, he's someone that, uh, I mean, listen, Davis is fine, but I just think a lot of people, especially in the fan community are, are drooling over him. And I just, I'm going for Sanders cheaper. Um, you did mention Beasley. Oh, it's so frustrating because Beasley, like when I was looking at his numbers, like he's so undervalued right now. I mean, he last year he was wide receiver 34 in half yeah. PPR points a game, and he's going off the board right now at wide receiver 61, right? right. Yeah. I mean, and it's the same offense, but the problem is he's crazy. I mean, you know, the stuff, it's like you don't know if he's going to play at this point. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this morning he was actually ba back on Twitter tweeting things. Yeah. Um, oh, I hadn't seen this morning. Yeah, he's, you know, listen – the whole whether to get vaccinated or not, that, that's a whole separate issue. But right. the fact that he's doubling down on the fact that he refuses to and then he refuses to not only does he refuse to get vaccinated, but he refuses to to you know follow the protocol of the people that are not getting vaccinated. So I don't know where that leaves him. Right. If he's not going to follow the protocol and he's not going to get vaccinated, I don't know if he's going to be on the team. I just don't right. know what's going to happen with him. However, if he does play like as their slot guy, I mean, he's so undervalued right now. And he, uh, you know, he he. I, I would say quietly gets things done, but he's not quiet right now. But I mean, in past years, you know, he's not someone that people really want to take. But yet, like I said, last year, he ended up being, you know, he was a wide receiver three yeah. you know, at the end of the season. So, 
that's kind of where I stand on Beasley. I, you know, I did, I drafted him a ton this spring in best ball and um, I haven't been just because I don't know what's going to happen now. So I'm glad right. I have some just in case, but um, as far as redraft goes, I'll probably stay away from him as well. Before we get comments, is there any reason to look at Dawson Knox or anybody else a little bit deeper? Like I'm talking like deep Hollister. dynasty. Hollister. I'm all okay. about Hollister. Not like for redraft as far as your tight end one or anything, but I think people should definitely keep an eye on Hollister for uh, streaming possibilities this season. I mean, last year he led Seattle, you know, yep. in, in, in half PPR points per game. The guy, like, he's good. And Knox, the problem with Knox, I don't know. I mean, supposedly I, I was reading something where he hired some sort of guy to help him with hand-eye coordination. I mean, I don't know how that, at this point in his life and career, if that's really going to make a difference, someone to help him catch the ball. But I just don't, you know, I feel like if Knox was going to be a thing in Buffalo, he would have already been a thing in Buffalo. So I kind of... I, Hollister is intriguing to me for late in best ball and then someone just to kind of keep in the back of your mind, you know, for streaming purposes, because he may break out in those first two weeks and people are going to rush to the waiver wire for him. That's a great name to throw out there. That's why we do the deep dives real quick, because probably not in redraft, but look, we're talking like week mm -hmm. three or four waiver wires and you want to have guys. I do a column during the regular season, uh, which is basically, you know, you do your waiver wire column like everybody does, but then I always do like a, like a almost like a beat the waiver wire is kind of the cliche term, mm -hmm. but looking at a week ahead, saying this guy got a little bit nicked up, he came back to play, but like if that's serious, look at this guy, or this guy actually had six catches and a touchdown. If he gets any more, so Hollister's a great guy because when he was in Seattle, he was absolutely productive and proficient, mm -hmm. but just a classic case of couldn't stay healthy and they get rid of him. So we'll see. And I'm just curious if Brian Dable really actually wants to utilize the tight end position. Uh, in this offense, so maybe it's less Dawson Knox and uh, more they don't even use the tight end or vice versa. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but I, I like that. I like that name. I, I did uh, think he was a great deep ad there in Seattle. Uh, Jacob, let's get your quick thoughts on just the general wide receiver core and pass catchers for the Buffalo Bills before we move on. Yeah, I mean, Diggs is the obvious wide receiver. I, I would, I'll take Diggs anywhere at this point. I mean, he's fantastic. He's a clear-cut wide receiver one. Um, I think he's could finish within... I mean, he has the potential to finish as the wide receiver one in fantasy this season. Absolutely. Sure. Um, and then with this Cole Beasley stuff, I mean, if he's not on the team, whoever fills his spot, I'll take. I think it probably... Would it be Gabriel Davis? Maybe. Uh Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But you see, Gabriel Davis, in my opinion, is more of an outside yeah. receiver. And Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, especially at the age, you just keep him in the slot and have him. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, he, this is what I'll say about Emmanuel Sanders. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, and this is a random uh, name to bring up. But Willie Sneed, who has not been – he's not been fantasy relevant for years and years and years. But back in the day when he was on the Saints with Drew Brees, he was fantasy relevant. But he stayed in the NFL another 10 years – because he's a great NFL wide receiver. He blocks, he gets dirty, he keeps his mouth shut, he catches first downs, he doesn't mind being the four-string guy to help the guy. So Emmanuel Sanders is that guy in his career. Also, Emmanuel Sanders has Super Bowl experience on multiple teams, playoff experience. This is a very young, I don't want to use the word immature necessarily in a derogatory term, but a young squad that could use serious, experienced uh, veteran leadership and Emmanuel Sanders brings that off the field. On the field, he brings a toughness, a grit, played through injuries this whole season. Last year, an ankle, hamstring, ACL, <laughs> and COVID. Um, so it took him down eventually. He just couldn't couldn't withstand it. But over his career, he's been extremely tough and resilient. And I think that that like matches kind of that, that Bill's identity anyway. So, um, again, we'll see what happens for, for fantasy. If Beasley is out, Emmanuel Sanders is much more attractive to me. Jennifer, I'll, I'll push back a little bit, and I think you can go hand-in-hand hand on this. I will go Gabriel Davis just because of the younger upside looking to hit the ceiling versus Emmanuel Sanders, kind of a basic floor. But if Beasley is out, I think you can't go wrong with either one of them. Jake, I'm sorry to cut you off, man. I had to throw that in there, though. Go ahead and finish your point. Oh, you're completely right. You, you said exactly what I was going to say. I mean, Gabriel Davis is younger. Emmanuel Sanders has been – he's pretty banged up. Right, I don't trust him to maybe play all seventeen or all, yeah, all seventeen games now of the season, um, and to be fan and to, and to be that what wide receiver three slash flex. I think in terms of a if he's if there's a favorable matchup, I know the Bills play the Texans this year, so I'm taking everyone on the Bills when they play the Texans <laughs> this year. Um, so I, I think I think that would be maybe a week I stream him, but as a consistent wide receiver that I'm starting my lineup, 
I'd probably take Davis, but I, you're definitely right. Um, Sanders, there, there's definitely the chance that Sanders is more productive than, than Davis is here. And and we could be splitting hairs even more so because John Brown leaves. If that's Gabriel Davis now, I love that position for the Bills. And if Cole Beasley's out and Emmanuel Sanders is that role too, all three of these guys could be wide receiver threes. Obviously, Diggs, you know, potentially top five, top three if everything clicks again. But the other two could definitely be a value and frankly being undrafted uh, currently or, or, you know, 12th plus round or so. Okay. Any, oh, good. No, I'm so, I was just going to say, I'm so happy John Brown left the Bills. I remember uh, it was week one, 2019. Uh, he, I was at that game. It was, it was opening day, Bills, Jets. And I remember John Brown, the Jets took a 16 to nothing lead. And then John Brown just tore us apart the rest of the game. <laughs> and beat us. Man, it was rough. That was that was a rough week to be Jets. Fan. Are you actually you're an actual Jets fan, huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. See, I'm I'm actually I grew up a Dolphin fan. So talking about the Bills is a little bit weird for me, like in, in a positive, <laughs> you know, spin. Um, because uh, yeah, I grew up a full on like my parents are original season ticket holders in Miami, like Dolphin fans. So um, I don't like the Jets. <laughs> I will say though, however, my son's middle name is Namath, so that uh, my yeah. husband won there. <laughs> my husband's nice. a Jets fan, so we kind of uh, we did the whole yeah coin toss. He won, so my son's middle name is Namath. I Wait, love that. I don't know if it's been Marino. <laughs> you know, no, I don't know. I, it would have been something else, probably not football related. But I think I think Zonka would have been a nice middle name. <laughs> yes. What do you think? Yes, it's funny actually. Don Shula. Uh, I grew up, he lived in my neighborhood as a kid and they cool. had a dog named Zonka. It was actually Zonk, but that was their oh. dog. That was their dog's name. Yeah. Oh man. Larry Zonka legend. Cool. Yes. Awesome. Any, uh, any final thoughts from either one of you on Buffalo bills, fantasy football, dynasty redraft, best ball, anything um, before I, we move on to the jets. I will add, um, because I, uh, those of you, you probably don't know this, but I'm a, I'm a huge kicker proponent. So I love Do me. It. Some, I, I love me some Tyler Bass. Uh, he's a, can you, he's, can you rep your article please? Cause it was extremely helpful. Oh, you read me. it. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, yes, I have an, I have an article on four for four that is uh, debunking the randomness of kickers and fantasy football. So, um, I kind of go over how it's not so random at all. Most people think it is. Um, it's, you know, everyone thinks it's really cool to hate kickers, but they're actually phenomenal. I am, I am pro get, kicker. I'm pro yeah, kicker. They're a great way to get a 10 to <laughs> 10 to 12 point swing every week based on matchups and people just yep. ignore it. But um, if you're going to, if you're not going to stream kickers and you're just going to take one, Tyler Bass is a good one to take because the bills are going to be uh, favored and probably, you know, 15 out of 16 games this season, if not all of them. Um, and Bass is going to have plenty of chances to score. So there's my, there's my little kicker. I have to work a kicker into every pod somewhere. I I'm so glad you did. And, and Jennifer, we got connected a few weeks ago and I was drafting in the Scott fishbowl. And I was researching and I, I realized in Scott Fishbowl, which is crazy settings, I've been over it multiple times on the show. I don't need to rehash it now, but <laughs> you can, which I, I find interesting. And I, I want to start kind of implementing this into my personal leagues and things, TCK listener leagues and stuff. You can use a kicker as a flex position if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. Now, people are the, a lot of people think like kickers, come on, but you're right. Some of these guys are, I mean, who was it? Uh, oh, Jason Sanders last mm -hmm. year. Uh, Young Way Koo. I mean, those guys are going 15, 18 points a yeah. week. I mean, that's better than any second flex, right? I mean, other than the boom. So I love that strategy and, and ability. So I'm I'm deep diving. I'm in like the 18th round of Scott Fishbowl or whatever. And I'm like, let me look at a kicker. Of course, Young Way Koo and Zerline and Tucker, Bucker, they're all gone. So I'm like, who else is there? And I found your article on 4 for 4, and I started diving in it. And Daniel Carlson was a guy that I really liked for the Raiders yeah. anyway. Robbie Gold with the Niners, just because I'm biased. Um, you know, but then Tyler Bass was there and I picked, I ended up picking Tyler Bass and, uh, I just loved your breakdown. Most of the games are at home this year. Cause you have the 17, so they have nine and eight and they get that mm -hmm. ninth one at home. Um, now of course it's nasty in the winter, but before that they play on like the weird, like outdoor turf. So like the field should be clean and all that stuff. Anyway, I really appreciate it. And, and for those of us that don't hate kickers, uh, I thought it was a very, it was a very useful article. So well, I I'm glad. That. And I, yeah, I like Tyler Bass. I actually got sniped on Tyler Bass and Scott Fishbowl, which was kind of, a oh. bummer. it was kind of a bummer, but I did end up with, I ended up with two quarterbacks. I got, uh, I got Butker and I got Ryan Suckup. So I'm, I'm, there you cool. Go. I'm cool with both of those guys. Yeah. Bra Brady's kicker for the last 20 years has been just fine. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's a good exactly. call. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was crazy. And Scott Fish, I think Young Way Koo went, uh, I want to say like eighth round in my league or something like that. And of course, you're like, what are you doing in a 22 round league? But again, kickers can be a flex, and people were drafting three of them. And anyway, it was 
madness. Yeah, madness. I don't, people were disappointed that I only took two because I'm such a proponent for them. But I'm like, look, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm because you know, of course, I'm going to take other players. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I did take two. I, I actually would have taken a third. Um, had you know, I think I was I was targeting Rodrigo Blankenship, who for personal oh, yeah. reasons. I went to UGA. I've loved him for oh, many cool. many years. So. Yeah. Um, I would have taken him. He went, so I think I, I ended up taking. I don't even remember. I think I took a fourth quarterback at that point. But respect yeah. the specs. Respect. The Always specs. respect the specs. Yep. Man, I I love it down there. I got I a lot of. I would have worn that shirt. I, I have a shirt with his face on it that says respect. Oh, do you really? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. He's you know it's funny. I watched him of course every every game at, at Georgia, and then when he was coming into league, people. I remember there was this meme going around of him at the combine like oh this guy's an nfl player i'm like you guys are going to laugh and eat your words because a he's gonna you know i thought he was gonna get drafted he didn't but i was like he's gonna make a team and he's gonna be the starter and he's gonna be a stud and he was he ended up doing all of those things yeah, except, he, except he was not drafted but he was signed by the colts right away and then ended up winning the starting job which i knew he would yeah the picture of him next to dk metcalf is so funny <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> man i do he's, like it and then the story of him how he like stayed home from a team dinner or something to play legos with his yeah. girl he's so, a total nerd it's hilarious <laughs> like my favorite player. I, I i love players like that that are against the grain from mm -hmm. like the traditional yeah. nfl player Absolutely. and guys like rodrigo blankenship are like the everyday person you yeah. know it's like, I mean, it's like whoa that guy's in the nfl it's you know it's it's pretty cool so I, I appreciate it. All right. Great breakdown on the Bills, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Let's turn the page here and get into the New York <laughs> football Jets. All right, Jacob. I know you got a, you know, we let's try to keep this into a half hour. You probably got about four hours of research going on your Jets here. So busy offseason, obviously. The Jets have been a mess. They get rid of Gase finally. Sam Darnold goes to Carolina. They bring in Zach Wilson, who was a number two pick. I know it was very public that he was going number two in the weeks leading up to the draft. I was still very surprised that they actually went with Zach Wilson, number two, personally. You get my guys, Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, coming over from the Niners, so enjoy that. Wishing them the best. I've been calling the Jets my East Coast Niners now. i got to root for them like, just because um, I love uh, love Sala and, and, and LaFleur. And then you get Michael Carter as well. You bring in Corey Davis. A, a super, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but a super deep sleeper at tight end is a guy I'm looking at as well. Mm. Will we actually see Chris Herndon come through? Is Jamison Crowder going to take the pay cut and pay off? So much going on with the Jets, man. The floor is yours. Let's get it. Let me preface this whole conversation with whatever we're about to say that this is the, out of all the teams in the entire NFL, this is the hardest team to look at for fantasy. <laughs> and they're my favorite team. I'm a diehard New York Jets fan, and it was so hard to pick players for this. But like I said, let's start at the top. The easiest way to look at the Jets' production in fantasy this year is to look at this 49ers offense from last year. And to kind of and that's how I'm doing it this year. So starting off with Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback, the Jets are going to be relying heavily on the run game this year. Um in terms of fantasy, I'll be honest, I'm not drafting Zach Wilson because He's a rookie in a division with every, when every other team has a great defense and then and great head coaches. Um, and, you know, whatever round that you're going to end up taking Zach Wilson, if you want to stash him, like he's going to go undrafted in, if I already guess, most of your leagues. Um, but in whatever round you think you want to take him, I'm taking guys. I mean, a Derek Carr, a Ryan Fitzpatrick, I trust a lot more on a consistent basis than I would Zach Wilson right now. Um, but yeah, they're relying heavily on the run. I just, I think Wilson is going to be really, really solid. But Robert Sala, when they drafted him, they told him, hey, you're not going to have to elevate the team. The team is going to elevate you. So they're not going to put this weight on his shoulders to make him throw. I mean, wasn't there a game where Jimmy Garoppolo literally threw like 13 passes? Like, I could see there being. He threw, he threw, he threw like 23. Well, he threw. I don't have it in front of me. He threw under 30 passes in the entire NFC playoffs leading into the Super Bowl. Total. He threw right. under 30 passes total leading up to in three games until he got to the uh, Super Bowl in 2019. Right. So I could see something very similar happening with Zach Wilson this year, especially in his rookie season. Um, Belichick is fantastic against rookie quarterbacks. Brian Flores is a great defensive mind. Um, I mean, Brian Dable. I mean, not Brian Dable. Sean McDermott is great. Um, these are just... It, well, well, defensive-minded coaches. So I'm not taking Zach Wilson this season. Um, 
I don't even really think there's huge upside to him just because of the just because of the, the amount of throw. He's not going to make a lot of throws this year, so he can't put up a lot of points if you're not throwing the ball, right? I mean, unless you're Lamar Jackson, but he's not Lamar Jackson. So, yeah. But at the, I mean, at running back, uh, Michael Carter is the name that that's the name to remember here. Um, like I said, the Jets are going to want to they're going to establish the run game. Week one, they're going to establish the run game and it's going to stay consistent for the entire season. His only competition in this backfield, in my opinion, I know the Michael Piran's there. I know Ty Johnson's there. I know Josh Adams is there. But the only competition is Tevin Coleman. Um, if Coleman can stay healthy, which, I mean, we haven't seen a ton of in his career. I, I just, they love Michael Carter. Uh, training camp starts today um, as of July 20th. But it's, ugh, Coleman they they loved Michael Carter in in, um, in OTAs and all that, um, and I can guarantee you he's going to be the RB one. But I could see them like Mostert was the RB one in San Francisco, but Jeff Wilson got touches, right? Coleman got touches when he was healthy. Um, so I, it's it's hard for me to immediately start Michael Carter, but I think by week four or five, you are going to be so incredibly happy that you have him because. The Jets focus this offseason on not fixing the quarterback position, but surrounding the quarterback, whoever was there, with the most possible talent and to keep him upright, right? Makai Becton is coming into his second year. He is an absolute monster. I don't have to say anything about him. They trade up for Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round with that Seattle pick. Um, take him, I think it was pick 13 or 14 maybe. Um, and, and he's already, he, he, they say he has everything of a decade starter offensive lineman. He has all the intangibles so far. Um, center Connor McGovern coming in again. He's pretty solid. If right guard, if Greg Van Roten on at right guard is our weakest position this season, this offensive line is going to be a unit, right? And then at right tackle, they sign Morgan Moses. And even if, and, and if let's say Beck and his injuries catch up to him or something happens with Morgan Moses, George Fan is a fantastic sixth O lineman to have on your bench. He's fantastic. So I'd want to I'd want to draft whatever running back is running behind this offensive line, especially with the amount that they're going to be running the ball. Right? I mean, so I'm taking Michael Carter. He's absolutely worth stashing wherever you can get him. I know he's going pretty early right now. I don't know what this ADP is. Um, but he is he's really, really good. Um, and a lot of people don't know the name because he was outshined by Javante Williams over at UNC and uh, he was a fourth round running back, which I mean, Jets fans know the name. And if you're a, if, if you're a lifelong fantasy fan and you and you dig deep every single season like we do, you'll know Michael Carter's name. And if you don't, you'll know it by week four. I can guarantee that. Um, so, yeah, I can. I mean, Tevin Coleman, I can't see. I'm not taking Tevin Coleman. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, Tevin. First of all, Tevin Coleman coming over is. Uh, again, I think it's another good clubhouse move. You have a new coaching regime. They coach Tevin Coleman with the 49ers. They bring him back over there. I don't think anybody, probably including Tevin Coleman, expects Tevin Coleman to play a full season. What they want him to do is come in, coach up the kid running backs, help them out, get them some pro experience, and then take the early down workload early in the season as long as he can handle it. I agree with you, Jacob. I think Michael Carter takes over eventually, but what made San Francisco so dominant in the run game for the last four or five years with Shanahan is not one single running back. You just mentioned it, Jeff Wilson, right? Tevin Coleman, but Jamichael Hasty, undrafted free agent, baller for two games. You know what I mean? You have all these guys, Jarek McKinnon, when his three healthy games over three years, he was excellent as well. So the Niners have had a lot of opportunity, but not with one person because they get hurt so much. They've had a uh, a committee with a lead dog. So I think he hit that on the head. That's Tevin Coleman early. Carter should be worked in. And uh, on the offensive line, they're bringing in um, Elijah Vera Tucker, who can play both positions, as you mentioned, out of USC, is going to be huge in a first-round pick. So I like it a lot. As far as Zach Wilson, again, he just – I like the arm talent and everything else. He, you know, whatever. He, he stormed the scene in the last month of the, the draft. Um, but I personally had um, uh, Trey Lance and – um, Justin Fields ahead of him, just as far as NFL talent and <clears throat> not to bash on the Jets or New York in general, but it's a tough franchise to go to um, with just the history and and the media and everything else. And 
Um, Zach Wilson. His mom has, is not helping. I was just going to say Zach Wilson has a few <laughs> off the field distractions as well. That could be tough. Um, so I wish the kid well. I hope he balls. I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I've been a fan of football for 25 years. Two years where Mark Sanchez accidentally made the playoffs and made a run when Brady was hurt is the only time I can remember the Jets being good. Other than that, it's been tough. So I'm hoping for you and the Jets fandom, you guys can bounce back here. And I'm hoping with this coaching staff that I believe a lot in, uh, my Niners guys can can help you out there. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Jennifer, your quick thoughts on the Jets before we move on to the pass catchers. Uh, sure. Well, my, my first thought, it's funny. I, I, uh, obviously older than you, I, I absolutely remember when the jets were good. They were completely <laughs> painful. Like in the, the old, like Joe Klecko, whatever they, yeah, they were a painful childhood. They were good. So I do remember when they were good. I'm very happy that they're not. Um, but as far as fantasy goes, um, I, you know, I have a lot of the same thoughts. I'm not a super in on Michael Carter. I just, I understand that he eventually will be the lead back. I don't know that I want a fourth round running back as my, you know, fantasy quarterback or as my fantasy running back. I've been taking a little bit of Tevin Coleman in best ball, sprinkling him in. I've also been throwing darts at Ty Johnson just because you don't know. Um, But listen, I think Michael Carter, I mean, he, he, they drafted him to be the guy. I just don't know if he will be the guy uh, in his rookie season. I hope he is for, for, you know, jets purposes and, and fantasy purposes too. Um, as far as Wilson goes, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with what you guys said. He's definitely not a, redra- a redraft guy at all. Uh, yeah, I just – I've been kind of avoiding him altogether just because – and it's hard. I mean, we all have recency bias, right? The Jets, I mean, there's no longer Adam Gase, but it's hard to really think that way. And so we all kind of have that bias of, like, the Jets are going to suck no matter what. And they're probably not, but at the same time, it's kind of – you know, it's ingrained over the last few years to just kind of avoid that whole team. So <laughs> – that's kind of, you know, where I am uh, with those guys. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get to, to, the, to the receivers next. And there are, yeah. there, are, there are some guys there that I would roll the dice on. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because you, you mentioned, Jacob, I think this is a big, you know, it's not a fantasy thing, but it's an overall bird's eye view uh, mentality you have to have looking at teams, players, and, and competition. The division outside of the Jets coaching-wise and experience and defense is stellar. So you have a, a rookie head coach, although you know, obviously Salo was a defensive coordinator, rookie head coach, new offensive coordinator, rookie quarterback, and new pieces all around him going up against three gnarly defenses and head coaches six games a year. It's uh, definitely going to be tough. My earliest Jets remember, or my earliest Jets memory, I was just thinking about, I'm going to guess it was like 96. My numbers might be off a little bit. Pete Carroll was the head coach, and they went 1-15. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember. They went 1-15, and that was – that really was quick. my uh 1996 was my first year playing fantasy football boom nice and nice it all, it all it all comes full circle I it all it. comes full circle i feel like i feel like we've we've uh spent too much time bashing on jacob and his, his jet so give us some good news yeah. about the pass catchers man <laughs> i am excited about a couple pass catchers so let's turn it positive man tell me about <laughs> the wide receivers and any tight ends you might be excited about listen yeah me i if there's anybody that bashes the jets more it's jets fans so there's <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love New York. Yeah, we are we are aggressive towards our team. Absolutely, <laughs> especially last year. This year we're optimistic, but we're optimistic every single season. Um, yeah, like you said, Adam Gase isn't there anymore. He limited this offense. To, I mean, the fact that I had to watch 17 weeks of um, Frank Gore running the football is ridiculous. When we had, <laughs> we had two young backs that we could have used, and man, it was just rough. But the one positive or one of the main positives that came out of this offseason was this pass catching group, like you said. Um, man, so I'll start with Corey Davis. So I compare Corey Davis to Brandon Ayuk for this this season, right? He's a deep threat. He he can he can he's fast. He he can do a lot. They signed him to do more than just run go routes. They signed him. They they signed him for a lot of money. It was I think it was three years, thirty seven and a half million dollars. Um, so that's you don't just sign him for four targets, five targets a game, right? They're going to throw the ball to him. When I'm looking at Zach Wilson, right, in terms of fantasy, he's irrelevant. But the kid can throw the ball, and if he has time to throw the ball, he can launch it deep. Yeah, I mean, he has the arm talent is there, and you see it in practice, and you see it almost you you see it every time he's on the field. So Corey Davis is going to be that guy for him, whether that's, you know, go routes or post routes or whatever you want. Corey Davis is going to catch the football this year. I can promise you he's going to have 
three, four long touch, one of those long 80 yard, 76 yard touchdowns that we see from him every single season. Um, I mean, we know we saw last year. I'm sure you guys know that play where he just caught it and he went like 60 yards down the sideline and nobody touched him. And then he like dove into the end zone. And it's just like, no, it just Corey Davis. He's just the most confusing player in all of fantasy. He's he, he finished as I mean, he finishes the wide receiver 15 in the second half of last season. So I, I'm I'm taking a chance on Corey Davis this year. I don't know about you guys, but I, I really like Corey Davis this year. I think he's going to get the most targets on the Jets out of any of these other receivers. And that's an unpopular opinion, but I absolutely think that's going to be how it is because Zach Wilson loves to throw the long ball. So yeah, I'm, I'll take a chance on Corey Davis this year as a wide receiver, even two or three um, for my team. Before we get in, uh, into our thoughts, can you f- finish up uh, w- any other wide receivers or um, tight ends, and then we'll just kind of take them as a group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Denzel Mims, he's a deep sleeper. I love Denzel Mims. He's very boomer bust, though, and the only bust potential he has is because of his injuries. Um, he got injured. He was injured all uh, mostly the entire offseason last year, missed a few games. Um, he had a problem with his hand. But the, the kid has great hands. He can catch the ball. He has an amazing, he has like Julio, not, he's not Julio, but Julio Jones level contested catch abilities. I mean, he can jump. If you go back and look at film, um, he there's place where he's beating Denzel Ward time after time again. The main problem was he wasn't getting the targets. He wasn't getting looked at because the problem with Sam Darnold, he never looked off his first option. He never looked off his first option, so it was always Jameson Crowder. And in such, and, and Adam Gase's offense was very he- was heavily favored towards the slot receiver. So Jameson Crowder got all those targets that Mims should have gotten. But when Mims was throwing the football, he was fantastic. So I think that Mims is absolutely someone to take a chance on this year. Um, and I think he ends up booming uh, from week one. Uh, Elijah Moore is the other name we've heard a lot about. Kadetta Ole Miss, second round receiver, should have been a first round receiver. He has that talent. Um, the only problem with Elijah Moore, and he's going to, if you're in a league where, I mean, I strictly do redraft. That's my, I, I mean, I haven't really figured out how to do anything else yet because I don't have people who consistently play fantasy football every year. Um, but if you're in a, if you're in a, a dynasty or whatever it is, take Elijah Moore because within a year or two, he's going to be not only the wide receiver one on this team, but he's going to get, he, he's, I think he has the chance to be a top 15 receiver in the league. Probably he has a, I mean, he's, he has so much talent, like so much talent. And then all these coaches are raving about him. All these scouts were raving about him. Um, the problem is Jamison Crowder because Elijah Moore plays the slot. And so does Jamison Crowder and Jamison Crowder took a 50% pay cut this season. And I can only assume that the jet, that he wouldn't have done it if the jets weren't like, you're going to take this pay cut, but you're still going to get the same amount of playing time, right? So I, I worry about that when it comes to Elijah Moore's playing time. I doubt they want to throw the rookie in there right away. So I think they'll split time. So I'm avoiding Crowder and Elijah Moore this season. But yeah, Corey Davis and Denzel Mims. And then at the tight end position, Sky, we've talked about him. Kenny Yaboa, who is a name that nobody knows. Nobody knows what Kenny Yaboa is because he was an undrafted free agent. Um and I think Kenny Oboa beats out Chris Herndon in training camp. Yeah, me too. Um, because what about Tyler Croft? Croft yeah. is going to be a him, him and Herndon are going to have very similar roles. I think this season, um, they're both <laughs> incredible blocking tight ends. Um, but Kenny Oboa can catch the ball. He can run. He, I, how he went undrafted is beyond me because he's that talented. Um, but I, like I said. You look at this Niners offense and you saw Kittle's production in, in the West Coast offense and we know how much rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends. So I can only assume Kenny Aboa is going to have a ton of fantasy production this season. So I am taking Kenny Aboa and no, he, he'll be available to you incredibly late. And he'll, I think, at, I don't know how it's working, but I think in, he's basically free in most of the leagues that I've looked at because yeah. nobody knows who he is. So I'm absolutely taking Kenny Aboa. And even if Chris Herndon is the starter, then they're not going to utilize the tight end position a lot because he has a strictly blocking tight end next season for the Jets. I can guarantee you that. Which is really tough because Chris Herndon was awesome. kind of a uh, he was a he was an Eric Ebron esque um, talent that we wanted to see blow up, and Gase never used him. And honestly, I was just I just can't wait until like David and Joku and Chris Herndon leave their respective teams. 
and get another shot because I think both of those guys as individuals are ballers, but they're not getting utilized properly in their schemes. Currently, the Browns have three tight ends. The Jets have three tight ends. It's just not working out. Kenny Aboa for me, it, I mean, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek. Um, Tyler Croft is out there, you're right, and once Herndon went down, Tyler Croft did well and caught a number of touchdowns last year. Um, Kenny Aboa for me, though, is the talent currently that Chris Herndon – We've wanted Chris Herndon to be over the last couple of years. Fifth-year senior coming out of Temple, not a huge draft pedigree. I think that's just why he fell. But incredibly productive against lesser competition in college, and I think he will be fine um, moving forward. So Kenny Aboa, mainly a dynasty stash, uh, but somebody to, to keep an eye on. Jennifer, what are your thoughts here on the pass catchers here for the Jets? You said you had a couple names you were looking at. Well, no, you know, it's interesting. I actually completely agree with what he said. Um, I'm – I think people are really high on Elijah Moore, and I, I'm not there. I'm definitely going with Davis of, of all. Um, it's too bad. You know, I really like Crowder a lot, and um, I really was hoping that he went somewhere else <clears throat> because it's just a little bit, you know, confusing now to have him there and, and to f- try to figure out what's going to happen. Like if he would have gone to Green Bay or just somewhere else where, you know, he, he would have been that wide receiver too or whatever. Um but, yeah, I mean, looking at their ADP, like Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are really similar. I mean, they were literally one spot apart. So it's kind of on who you believe in more or who, what you think is going to happen at that point. Um, and then Crowder, like they're both, like they're right now an underdog. They're 109 and 110. And then Jamison Crowder is, is 164. So he's a heck of a lot cheaper. But, um, you know, I'll take Davis and, and I'll sprinkle in a little bit of more and Crowder here and there. But, uh like Jacob said, really, Davis is the only one that I'm really after. And then as far as the tight ends go, I haven't really been taking any. I just threw out Croft out there just because I know he's there. But, yeah, another uh, name. Yeah. I'm not um, – you know, I was definitely a, Her- a Herndon believer a couple of years ago. Me too. Um, him, him and Darnold had great chemistry that one season when they were able to connect, and then he got hurt, and then last year he didn't do anything. So um, I'm definitely not taking any any Jets tight ends. But now you just mentioned a name that I didn't know, so now I'm going to have nice. to pass, now I'm going to possibly have to throw a dart or two in best ball. We got yeah. another one, Jacob. We're, yes, we're we one, one by one. The Kenny Aboa train is. Listen, I will always. I will. You know, any any kind of deep tight end, I'm all about it. Yeah, I'll tell you, the the Kenny Aboa jerseys are the most expensive because you can only customize them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're an extra forty five dollars because you have to like spell oh, his name. Man, and Chris Herndon, it's such a shame because he's going to be probably the biggest what if in this Jets pass catching group of the last five years, next to maybe Quincy Anunwa. I mean, this is good name. I mean, I I miss Quincy Anunwa. He was, it's a shame with his neck problems and everything. It was, Mm -hmm. it was rough, but he was, he was so good that one. I think it was 2018. He was really, really, really solid. Um, so it is what it is, but Kenny Abo is the name. If there's anybody on this Jets offense to look out for, it's Kenny Aboa. One more, one more uh, point here, and we'll wrap up. Um, and I'll get both your thoughts on this. And this is a, this is a Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, focal like question, um, but just kind of in general, in, in NFL coaching trees, new teams, draft capital, that whole umbrella conversation. How much stock do both of you put into this coaching? regime who happens to be new for the jets drafted elijah moore versus jameson crowder's kind of the like been there on the jets and they retained him for depth good clubhouse guy veteran leadership whatever that might be but he's not quote unquote their guy we don't see it with wide receivers so much but we see it with running backs all the time in the nfl right frank gore has had a job for and look in my opinion he's a hall of famer he's a niner he's frank gore's my guy but he's been done for 10 years probably, but he keeps getting jobs because he has relationships and he's trustworthy and people like him in the league. Right. So he continues to have a job. Whereas a guy like Todd Gurley, who's, you know, four years short of 30 Le'Veon bell, these other guys who might be useful aren't because they don't have that same, um, you know, locker room pedigree, I guess. Elijah Moore and Jamison Crowder might be neck and neck, but again, rookie unknown veteran leadership, but this regime drafted Elijah Moore, does that hold any weight to either one of you? Jennifer, I'll kick off with you, and and then Jacob will get your thoughts. But does that sway you either way on like what might go down, or is it just kind of Crowder's the veteran, so he's the starter, and Moore's got to earn his position? Well, you know, like, like Jacob said, like I just feel like they had to have told him something in order to keep him here at, at get, taking such a huge pay cut. There's uh, there was plenty of other jobs in the NFL 
where he could have walked in. I mean, he could have walked into Detroit and been their wide receiver one, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like they had to have obviously placated him in some way to keep him there. Um, but I do think, like you said, when people are their guy, you know, I, I think there is something to be said for that because we see it happen all the time where a new regime comes in and, oh, I didn't draft him or I didn't even in college football, I didn't recruit him. So he ends up not being the, you know, the starter. So, uh, but I feel like it, it, Crowder's still there for a reason. I mean, they, they have plenty of, you know, between Mims and Davis and they had already signed Davis at that point. Like they already had enough. They didn't need to keep him or talk him into staying. So I feel like there is a reason, which is why I am drafting in certain spots because I feel like he will probably get you more usage than maybe we think he will. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think Crowder is – he's a guy who – I know he's a great locker room guy. Like, I, I've heard that from not only Jets – not only Jets, like, reporters, but I interviewed uh, Vincent Smith, who was, like – he's, like, the wide receiver, like, 25 on the Jets. But, like, he's <laughs> – I mean, and I, I actually think he's really solid. But he was talking about Crowder and talking about, you know, how um, important he was to his development and all that. And and to have him there for Elijah Moore and to have them both, because I think that the Jets and we're and you were talking about this before, Sky, and it's kind of hitting me. It hit me before and it's hitting me now. You know, the Jets could definitely be not only rotating the running back position, but having this wide receiver group on a tandem as well, where, you know, you never see these corners aren't going up against the same guy five times in a game. You're not going up against the same guy over and over and over again and picking up tendencies. You're 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 facing Corey Davis and then you're facing Elijah Moore and then Denzel Mims, each with their own unique set of abilities um and problems that you're gonna have to deal with. So that's 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 gonna be interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, they definitely told Crowder something. And I and also, I mean, you were talking about Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and all these running backs not having jobs because of you know, they don't have those same relationships that Frank Gore does or Adrian Peterson does or any of that. Le'Veon is his own, <laughs> his own mess. Well, he already did the Jets. That was a bad example. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But Todd Gurley, I, this is uh, this is not relevant to the conversation. But Todd Gurley now, after this stuff, I, I'm you guys. You already had your guy on about the Rams, right? Yeah, we haven't talked about the news today, but either way, I mean, ahead. I mean, are you smelling a possible reunion with with Todd Gurley in, in Los Angeles? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's definitely something I would look for. I'm uh I'm definitely I, you're you're uh correct in them having to make shift. They're going to have to use multiple running backs, multiple wide receivers, and these again these head coaches are you know three of the top ten in the league, easy, um, and they all happen to be in the same division. And again, against you know what uh, uh, Bill Belichick, his record, I don't have it off top, but it's ridiculous, unbelievable <laughs> versus rookie quarterback. No matter who they are, right? Um. And, He's going to have to do the same thing, by the way. Belichick's going to have to rotate everything because they, yeah, don't have, but, they don't have much going on there either. No, no, they don't. But I'm less concerned about the Patriots, A, because they right. have a ton of veterans, B, they have Belichick and McDaniels, right. yeah. whereas the Jets are right. – they're, they're, the yeah. they're the frost to the varsity league. That's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And, right. um, again, I think long-term, like five years from now – if everything clicks and, and and Zach Wilson works out in the in the the Jets could be the truth and the Jets Bills and Dolphins if the Patriots ever you know for real stumble um, could absolutely be an incredible division after de you know two decades of of Brady time so uh, I think it could go well um, I just am not excited about it necessarily this year <laughs> and with all of the teams we've talked about and all the players we talked about some guys are more excited than others to be honest with you there's no Jet player that I'm like I need to get that guy in my draft. Period. Yeah. There's just not. Uh, some will fall. Everybody's got value. Blah blah blah. The Kenny Yaboa is kind of fun, just to call my shot from draft day. But other than that stuff, I'm not really, not really feeling it. Um, before we get out of here, any final thoughts on the Jets at all? Take flight. Let's go Jets. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this Jets team is hard to draft. It's hard. It's hard to look at them right now. There's anyway. just a lot of unknowns. There's, there's no, a lot of potential, no, but a lot no of immediate appeal on and when you look at this team on paper when we get to midway through the season i think there's going to be some guys that have some value um but to be honest it's hard to navigate who those guys are right now i agree jennifer any final thoughts on the jets uh no i mean we've covered it same thing there's no there's no one sexy that you want to take but like you said sometimes some way through the season there will be guys on the waiver wire that will be available 
that will surprise people and, and be serviceable in, in your bye week and flex spots. But uh, as far as redraft goes, yeah, they need they need another year to marinate. Yeah, I agree with you. Marinades, I think, is a is a perfect word. <laughs> well, I appreciate you both coming in. And uh, before we get out of here, please, Jennifer, why don't we start with you and, and let everybody know where they can find all of your work. Again, I just want to throw you a personal shout out. Uh, the last couple of weeks I've been diving in. I've been on 4 for 4 forever, and I'm sure I've read your articles in general over time. Uh, but I happened to catch a few of them specifically during the Scott Fishbowl, and I was like, this is a great article. Who wrote it? And it was you like four times in a row. So <laughs> – well done. Well, thank I, you. I appreciate your work. And I, I want to make sure I reached out on Twitter and just gave you a, a you know, a fist bump. Um, but then I was like, Hey, you know what? You should come on and, and, and talk some ball too. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, you do a lot of work all over the place. So please let the TCK potters know uh, your handles and all that and where they can find all your works. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you. I appreciate the love that, that, that that's very kind. Um, I am on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, and then all my work is at four for four. I do a ton of stuff right now. We have player debates, we have depth, uh, depth, depth chart battle debates coming out, and all kinds of stuff. So, and then during the season, um, I write a kicker streaming article. I write a dead weight report, which is basically the opposite of the waiver wire. It's guys that you should drop every week. Um, and then I've got two other articles this week in season that I'm not sure what they're, they're TBD at the moment. So. That's where you can find me. I like that idea of the deadweight article. It's like equally right. as important because so many waiver, so many waiver uh, pickups are attractive for that week, and then yeah. it's like, oh, he didn't play, or he got hurt too, or they didn't utilize him, and then you dump him anyway, and you burned all your fab or whatever it is. Yeah, and that that dead weight, I think, is just as important. That like, can you think of anybody from last year who might have been like the key dead weight guy yes. to drop before it was too yes. late? Yes, actually I can because I got a lot of crap for it and it was Holly Marquise Hollywood Brown. I was mm. on it right away. I was like, dude, just drop him. This is not going to happen this season. Uh, and I got so much crap for it. And then weeks later people are like, oh, I'm dropping it. I'm like, yeah, you should have four weeks ago. But uh, no, it's funny. Like a couple years ago in the middle of the night it came to me. I was like, you know what? Everyone and their mother writes, you know, a waiver wire and nobody talks about who you should be dropping every week. So I think this will be the third or fourth year of me doing that. Um, it comes out on Tuesdays uh during the season and so yeah i'm i'm shocked that uh myself and <laughs> i haven't heard about that specific thing people talk about it during waiver wire episodes but nobody like has a designated article to it. i think that's uh yeah. very smart and i'll be utilizing that tool Sweet. this year absolutely so appreciate it jennifer akins thank you very much jacob your turn buddy let us know where we can find all your work man i needed that dead weight article with hollywood, <laughs> hollywood last year was uh-huh. the reason i lost and any most people a week I, I held it was another one you it gotta was, you gotta let go of the emotion you gotta you gotta yeah you gotta let it go was it, it's a problem because the problem with fantasy people is that like we'll get our guy and we'll draft them and we'll be so excited and when they aren't when the weeks they when they aren't actually producing and it doesn't work out because it's hard for people to admit they're wrong it, mm -hmm. it's so hard and it's so hard to admit to yourself that you're wrong with fantasy and hollywood i drafted him way way earlier than i'd like to admit and he was my wide receiver two. Terry, Terry McLaurin was my wide receiver one because I went, I, I Sky, I don't know if you remember me telling you this. I went Camara. I got Camara and at pick five, which was later than I thought I would get him. And then I got Clyde over to in the second round. He fell to me somehow. Um, but, and then I had to get McLaurin and whatever. And then Beasley was actually my wide receiver three. So that was, so a very relevant, very relevant to this, this pod. Um, but man, I should have listened to the Hollywood stuff. I needed to drop him. <laughs> Oh, it was wrong. Well, was wrong. now you know. Now you know where you can find it. Where can we find all your work, bud? Yeah, so check me out. the uh, The Hard Count Football Podcast Live is Tuesday nights at seven PM Eastern um, on the Hard Count Football YouTube channel and on Bucks Report. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Charno, Instagram at Hard Count Football. DM me. Tell me I'm wrong about something I said. It's. I mean, I get a lot of them. I lo I love talking. If If you're gonna come at me though, at least bring me some sort of evidence. Or whatever. Don't just be a talking mouth because that annoys me more than anything. But it's, <laughs> but it's the Twitter world. So you yes, get it all. is. You get them all, man. But yeah, appreciate you having me on. It's it's it was really fun. I'd love to do it again. Uh, you'll both be back as soon as possible. I appreciate you both. Thank you very much. Best of luck this season. Make sure you go check out and follow Jennifer Akins and Jacob Charno. I'm your host Sky Guasco. You can find me on Twitter Sky Guasco G U A S C O on. Instagram as well, fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to the Believe Podcast Networks and make sure to subscribe. Leave a comment down below on how you feel about the Bills and the Jets heading into 20.
2021. Appreciate y'all for sticking around for episode 414. We'll be back with another one. We'll catch you next time. For Jennifer Akins and Jacob Charno, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.